Each day, all over the world, thousands of healthcare learners experience the power of simulation. This is the BS Podcast. Wait, what? 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 Beyond Simulation. Exploring the stories of the people behind these masterfully implemented simulations. Each episode discovers the real stories of how these connoisseurs got into simulation and why they stayed. And for this episode, we're doing something special for Healthcare Simulation Week. We are doing the show live. This is the Behind the Music podcast of the world of simulation. Everybody. My name is Christine Park, and I'm the director of the Simulation and Integrative Learning Institute here at the University of Illinois College of Medicine. And one thing about me that is not simulation is um, I have a secret desire to be an architect. Get out of here. I didn't know that. Yeah. We were just, oh, that's so cool. My name is Bob Kaiser, and I'm the associate director at the Simulation and Integrative Learning Institute. And one thing about me that is not simulation related is that I am from Normal, Illinois. And yes, Normal, Illinois is a real place. So there you go. <laughs> okay, Bob, are you ready to talk some BS? Let's do it. Uh, actually, wait a second. So I did, I did come across a piece of news that I just have to ask you about. And it has to do with Mars. And apparently, Researchers have created a way to build building materials that could be made on Mars from space dust and astronauts' bodily fluids, such as blood, sweat, and tears. And the reason is it's actually really expensive to transport bricks to Mars, like $2 million for just one brick. Yeah, blood, sweat, and tears, kind of like how we built our simulations. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so here's my question is, if you had a chance to be one of the first um, people to travel to Mars to build a domicile, would you do it? Um, I, I would so respect the people who went, but no, I would not. Um, I am a creature of comfort. <laughs> <laughs> the Hyatt for me is like camping. So no, I would not. <laughs> would you? I, I don't think that I would. I mean, glamping is about as much as I can do. Right. So <laughs> all right. Well, um, well, great. So let's get to it. Um, I'm so delighted today to welcome our guest, Dr. Julie Maxworthy. And uh, Julie is the 2021 president of the Society for Simulation and Healthcare and also an associate professor at the University of San Francisco School of Nursing and Health Professions. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thanks for ha having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Hi, it's, um, it's uh, interesting times. Hi, and I've got my little backdrop here. We're all good. You look great. It looks very nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so Julie, what are three things that you're professionally known for? Let's see. I think uh, one of them is my current role as the president of SSH, which is an honor. It's been an interesting year to say the least. Um, just trying to keep everything sort of moving as far forward as we can under the circumstances. It's been challenging to say the least. Let's see. Um, I had the pleasure several years ago of uh, being one of the editors for Defining Excellence in Healthcare Simulation Programs, which is one of the um, best known books textbooks for the field. So that was a 
real great opportunity to participate in that. And also um, it's gonna be coming out hopefully soon. We had a little bit of a hiccup as many of you know, Chad Epps was one of our editors. And with his very untimely passing, we had to, uh, we switched gears, but of course we were not gonna give it up um, because um, it was something that was important to all of us. And then let's see, professionally, I think, um, we all get these sort of, uh, this may be a topic of conversation. We all have sort of these part about who we are. People know who I am from behind because of my hair. I have very curly hair, always have. Um, I straighten it for a short period of time and um, people can tell from the back, oh, hi, Julie. I'm like, oh, oh, it must be, you know, it's like, I knew you from the hair. Wow, that's great. So, so Julie, let's, so each guest, yeah. we spin a random number generator. And we oh, come no. up with a number. <laughs> yes, we come up with a number for um, the number of items we want to hear that are not on your CV that are not professionally related. Okay, so I before the show did okay. uh, the number, and the number you came up with is four. So we want four things that are not on your CV that are not professional. Go. Okay. So the first one of them, I was I was talking to my kids. I said, I got this question. I was asking them, and Becca, my daughter, said, "You got to tell them about your about the socks. Um, you know, these little anti-skid socks only have the anti-skid on one side." And I was like, "Why do we only have it on one side? It should be all the way around because patients never put their socks on um, on one. You know, it's always it, it's a slipping hazard. So we're trying to prevent them from falling. Yet we're giving them something that I thought could cause fall. So I talked to the vendor." And I should have gotten a cut in this, but actually I was the one that really was a strong proponent of getting the, the little anti-skid all the way around. I felt that they should have them inside and outside, but I didn't win that battle. Um, but yes, that's one thing that should be on my, that's not on my CV, that's a little known fact. Um, uh, let's see, I was a Boy Scout before I was a Girl Scout, so I'm under my service, that should be. And so that's a whole story that I think maybe I'll get to later because that was sort of my entree into healthcare simulation many, many years ago. Uh, let's see. And um, I'm a grandmother, which is probably my favorite job. And when I, I, as my mother used to say, if I know how much fun it was to be a grandmother, I would have done that first. And I would always say, but that doesn't <laughs> quite make sense, mom. Uh, but yes, that's um, being a grandma has been, uh, I have a grandson who's two and a half. I actually highlighted him last month on my messaging because I got a two and a half year old to say, get vaccinated. It came out as get vaccinated, which I think some people might've wondered what it was, what he was actually saying, but um, yeah, that was another one. And let's see, um, I'm a dog whisperer of sorts. Wait, you're a dog whisperer. Well, what do you mean? Well, I can walk up, I, I, any dog on the street that I pass by, I have to stop and say hello. And the owners are always amazed that they say, my dog does never pay attention, but it's not a main thing of mine, but it is one of my passions is dogs. And so, yes, I've always stopped and say hi. And I've trained many a dog and people say, you're a dog whisperer. I said, no, I just pay attention to them. They're like, mm. if, if you know that you're dealing with a, a two-year-old, um, a perpetual two-year-old, which I think all dogs are, then you can work within that construct and you can get them to do all kinds of things. That's what treats are for. <laughs> <laughs> And I've had the pleasure and the honor of being at your house before and meeting all of your house full of foster animals and, and permanent fur kids. Yes, we did have a good time when you came to the house and I've fostered about 50 or 60 dogs over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. I just love having them. And um, a lot of them have never had um, exposure to walking or been on a leash and all those kinds of things. But speaking of which, I, you may hear a little bit of 
little something here. <laughs> they're they're alerting us that there's um, trouble. Trouble. All ten pounds of them are telling me there's trouble in River City. We need to address it. So I apologize. As, uh, as you might know, we all in some ways keep our, our inner child within us. So I wondered if you could share with us a little bit, who is Kid Julie? Um, so let's see, how do I start this up? I'm the oldest of three girls and my dad worked hard and uh, was gone a lot. And my mom didn't always have the best, I had some of our own challenges. So being the oldest of three, um, uh, it's no wonder I became a nurse. I'm a, uh, I, I've always been somebody who stepped in. I, and I, like I said, I did a lot of help with my sisters. Um, but the kid child really liked to be um, traveling the creeks. I'm a big backpacker, just like being outside um, all the time. And um, I've always been a very, I think uh, I've been told many times I have an old soul. You know, that was me as a kid. It was either thrust upon me or part of it was part of who I was already. But yeah, those are, the kid, Julie, was um, not as much of a kid as I would have liked in some respects. So I've done a lot of that as an adult. I kind of had the opportunity as I aged to truly become um, a kid. As some of you who are my friends on Facebook can, can see. <laughs> I'm pretty busy. Oh, like what? Give us an example of, uh, of that. Oh, what kinds of things we're doing? Well, um, we're always, uh, we do a lot of theater. We do lots of um, anything we can do that's outside, I'm all for. Um, my better half is a pilot, so we do a lot of flying, those types of things. We're always doing different adventures. And I'm assuming as a grandmother that uh, the uh, child in you comes out quite a bit. <laughs> oh, very much so. <laughs> Good point, yes. He's, uh, he brings out all those characters and characteristics in me, yes. And so, yes, I'm always, I don't have a very good singing voice, but he loves the fact that I, can, I sing to him all the time, I always have. And so, yes, we do a lot of singing together and dancing. That's a big I part of it. Yes. Yeah, so he, I, we should have asked for a song. Oh, no, 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 no. Unless it's an Elmo <laughs> or, or a theme song from El Frozen, I'm stuck right now. I'm kind of in this <laughs> perpetual Frozen one and two loop with them, with him. He's just like, yeah, yeah. He loves his Frozen and he, yeah, he's, he loves his Frozen. <laughs> Julie, are you, are you saying you want to build a snowman? Is that what you're saying? <sighs> yes. On Mars. <laughs> On Mars. On Mars. Yes. And the way, and Disney, if they could, they would. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So the show is called BS Beyond Simulation. So I guess we should talk a little bit about simulations. So, Julie, how did you even get into simulation? So, like I said, I was a Boy Scout before I was a Girl Scout. And I did search and rescue in high school. And one of the main reasons I did that is because there were boys involved. So it was a great way for me to meet. Um, boys and be active and stuff. And so I learned how to track. I learned to do all kinds of spelunking. I did all kinds of things. And so uh, again, I date myself, but back in the day when I was in high school, 911 was coming into being. And uh, they were trying to figure out how to coordinate resources and what have you. So I was part of the search and rescue group and our leader was a, um, was a head of a county's emergency preparedness. So he utilized his, uh, access to students, there was no consent involved. There was no, our parents were just glad to get rid of us on a Saturday. So we <laughs> would just be, and so what I did when I was in high school is I would get melaged up. I had a broken bone a couple of times. I had glass, you know, all over me and they would place us in um, 
this large industrial park. And teams would come in, triage us, tag us. And I got several rides in helicopters to different facilities where I would be assessed, triaged, and then I'd end up in you know different places depending on what my injuries were. I remember one time I had a test, so they made me a DOA. So I just sat there and, and I was still there and they had to assess me, but I got to study for a test in this <laughs> under this big, you know, trailer stuff. But it was a that's how I got exposed initially. So that was, uh, and I didn't realize how, well, I really did enjoy it. It was really fun. Uh, but we uh, fast forward a few years um, as a bedside clinician, I did a lot of teaching of ACLS, BLS, um, what have you. And um, so I've kept myself involved. And then as I transitioned into quality patient safety, a real passion of mine, which is at the heart of why we do simulation. I had, um, we had some less than favorable outcomes on a couple of events. And so I started borrowing Annie to do some insight to uh, codes just to get people, keep people alert and um, on task. And this is many, many years ago. And then when I was in graduate school, uh, uh, almost 15 years ago, I had the fortune of being in grad school with KT Waxman. So KT and I, uh, she was started, had already started through um, her work in the Bay Area Simulation Collaborative. And then when we were in grad school, that's when she developed um, and implemented the California Simulation Alliance. That was her project when we were in grad school. And during that time, so mind you, this is, we were in school together from 06 to 08. We ended up, uh, that was about the time accreditation was really starting to get, get geared up. And that was sort of my area of interest because I did, like I said, patient safety regulatory. Um, and so I got involved in that piece of the accreditation. And that's, I, I came to, my first IMSH, I believe, was in, I think it was in New Orleans. Um, and I had a blast. I got, a, you know, I, I was in hook, line, and sinker. And since that time, I've been, I haven't never looked back. And um, it's been the people that are involved in healthcare simulation are the best, in my opinion. It's really um, an environment of collaboration. Uh, just, just amazing group of individuals. Right, our colleagues. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, Julie, so what passions, what personal passions, keep you tied to simulation? Why do you do it? You know, I feel very strongly that repetitive practice can make a huge difference, and I'll use a personal example. So, when my grandson was born, he was a little dusky, and my grand, my, and he was having some challenges. And my daughter-in-law, who is a simulationist but is non-clinical. She, who has taught, you know, assisted with PALS and other kinds of, uh, and um, other resuscitation courses, um, she just went into action. She immediately knew what she needed to do. It was amazing to watch her. And to me, that's a driver of why this works and why I want to be involved in it because I, and I've also been so impressed with how does it feel we've been able to pivot in uh, horrible times and how simulation is been able to be at the forefront of um, making a difference as we've had to pivot to accommodate the needs of our learners so they can matriculate through their programs. It's just it's just where it's at, in my opinion. I want to be part of it. And as an academic, I teach quality patient safety and uh, simulation is a huge piece of it. And I, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything but something in sim for the rest of my career because it is just such an amazing way uh, to 
give our learners, I mean, I'm currently in a PhD program and, or at least attempting to finish my PhD. And it's, you know, I'm doing, I'm developing an instrument because I have such a passion and I see a gap in our field that I know um, this instrument I'm hoping will aid in um, doing a better job of assessing our learners prior to them engaging in experiential learning activities to assess them for their readiness to engage. Because we often assume, and we know what assuming can do, that we don't assume. So I'm looking at how do we best assess our learners to see that they're actually ready to engage psychologically, to engage yeah. in a simulation activity. At the end, at the debrief, we're always like, yeah, how'd it go? And was like, I survived. It was fine. <laughs> it was good. You know, can I move on? Instead of, you know, if we can figure out tools that these individuals need or what um, pieces we need to put in place so that our learners are have the tools they need so they can best learn. So is it a didactic along with some sort of hands-on online module before, you know, that pre-brief period? What exactly should we be providing to our learners? Because we assume, and my travels and accreditation have pointed to it time and time again, everybody does a little differently. So we, we have, if you look at the standards, the actual standards when it comes to the pre-brief, we have some references, but it's not as, it doesn't have the depth that we have in other areas, such as scenario development and debrief. Yeah. So that's well, so um, I totally appreciate your feeling that you can't imagine doing anything different for the rest of your career. Um, however, that said, we are going to ask you to imagine that. So um, <laughs> let's imagine that you are prevented from doing anything related to what you do currently professionally today. So that's simulation, education, nursing. You can't do any of that. Mm -hmm. If you couldn't, what would you be doing for a job or, or professionally? And then for the sake of this exercise, there's no financial worry attached to this. What would it be? Well, I think I've always wanted to be a dog groomer. So I think I might be a dog groomer if they were, you know, and I could simulate kind of what that look was. I mean, I'm just kidding, but yeah, dog groomer. Or um, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a marine biologist. And my mother said, um, pick the profession you can make a living at. Marine biology is maybe not one of those. Um, and let's see, um, having an animal sanctuary. That's something that's on my list at some point in my life. Mainly geriatric dogs. I'd love to have um, a place where they can go and have a, a, a quality ending to their lives because they give so much and they deserve it at the end. Oh, I love that. Those are just a few things I would do if money wasn't an option. I would totally open that, that elder sanctuary with you. We have a dog that who's 16 now who we adopted when he was 13 and he's been such a joy. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a, uh, just a peacefulness to that, you know, as they age, it's kind of like, you know, a wise person that we like to just be present with. Old dogs teach us that. They teach us patience. And that's been my experience. So, yes, I see the pictures on Facebook. You guys are <laughs> very we have cute. A, we have a busy house. Yes. You have a menagerie, which is what, you know, but but it makes life full. You know, they give you, give us, animals give us purpose to get up in the morning. And dogs in particular, because they, they look, they wake us up and look at us like, you know what you need to do now, right? Yeah. At any age. Cat, I, cats I, do that too. They, they wake, wake me up. My cat wakes me up and says to me, you know what you need to do. <laughs> like, like on your paw, on your forehead, yes. like, hello. Because the, the newest thing with my cat is she'll just put her paw in my mouth. I'm like, oh, where did you come up God. with this? 
And I know where that paw's been. I don't want it in my mouth. <laughs> it's, I mean, let's face it. It's an effective attention-getting maneuver. It's very effective. Very effective. Um, I love it. I love it. I love all of that. That sounds great. It's really one thing about simulation that is so fantastic is that we can receive feedback in the simulations and then we can reflect on the choices that we've made or that we thought we'd make or, you know, something like that. So um, thinking about your life, what is one choice that you encountered that if you had chosen differently, it would have taken your life on a different path? Okay, so it's been a long time since I went back to school because my undergrad was less than optimal for lots of different reasons. And so um, I went, decided I'd gotten, I'd gotten off nights and because uh, I didn't realize what consciousness was for at least 10, 12 years. And then when I regained consciousness, I got involved in our shared governance model. And I realized that I didn't have all the tools. And so I took the leap and I went back to um, graduate school. And I did a program. Anyway, there's a, the my uh, closest contact to that program, um, Edith Jenkins Weinrub, uh, she was one of my first professors. And she said, you know, you're a rock star. You can do anything you want. And, and I have to say, academically, nobody had ever really told me that. Um, I had, uh, I, you know, it was there in me. I, sometimes it just takes somebody to say, you know, I think you're great. I think you can do this. And uh, she was the beginning of uh, my first master's. I ended up doing a second, and now I'm working on a second doctorate. So I'm very much into uh, education. Out of my, you know, my four kids, two have doctorates and one has a master's. So yeah, I, I'm a proponent of education. It's not for everybody, I get it, but it, it gives you options. Anyway, but to have that individual come up and say, you know, I really see potential in you was a very, um, and, I, and I think if she hadn't been as supportive she had, been at the time and also encouraging me in other ways. I don't know if I was, because um, it was during a very challenging time. My first husband had passed away. Um, I had two little children. I was contemplating lots of different things at that time. So um, it was a, a very powerful moment at a very powerful point in my life, a turning point. And it really set me off on a completely, uh, a trajectory that if you had told me that when I was in my 20s, I'd be an associate professor at a university and, you know, doing the things I'm doing, I would have said, what are you smoking? But it's, it's because of that support that it's been um, life changing. So hopefully that answers your question. I'm sure you guys have same, similar stories. Yeah, and I love how the example of we never know when we say something to someone the effect it's going to have on them and just reminding people of their strengths or, you know, their, because I think we all get bogged down sometimes thinking, you know, less than great thoughts about ourselves. So I'm, I'm happy that that person entered your life and I'm glad that you listened. Yeah. And she's come in. It's been interesting. She's come in and out of my life. You know, there's certain individuals that come in and out of your life at right. times and you're like, why is she contact? I mean, she contacted me a few months ago saying, you know, cause she's, a few years older than I am. And she's like, you know, I'm not ready to take on this position. It was a board position. And she says, but I think you'd be great for you. I think you'd be fabulous at it. You know, it's a process. It'll take you a good six months because it's for a large um, healthcare system. And I said, oh, you know, if you think it's a good idea, I'm going to try for it. And here I am today, actually, later today, I'm actually sitting in on my first board meeting. 
and it was her encouragement. So she's, there's been multiple times and she's just a rock. And so if ever I'm feeling any kind of trepidation about something, I'll have to just call, you know, text Edith and say, Hey, you know, do you have a minute? And she's just always been um, willing to listen and give me some really good feedback. And so I'm, I, I'm indebted to her for, the, for my entire, uh, where I have been for the last 20 years. So yeah, That's and she's fantastic. just the loveliest person. But yeah, it is. It, I'm sure you both have people in your life that have um, come in at a certain, you know, they kind of weave in and out and you're just so grateful and you just open yourself up for these opportunities. And as I've always liked to say, as I say, yes, and I deal with chronic imposter syndrome, you know, it's just mm -hmm. part and parcel of being, of growth, you know, as an individual, because if you don't open yourself up, you will stay in the status quo and you won't continue as a person to continue to grow. And I think you miss out on life. And it, we, it's, and as we have seen through these very challenging times, life is altered for so many people on this planet right now. Um, we need to um, embrace and care for each other. And that's one way of doing it. I mean, she's always, always been a caring individual. You just, you know, you just give, play it forward pay it forward. That really resonates this um, thinking about how life is altered for so many people in these days, but also in the course of our own lives, the things that have oh, created yeah. these alterations and, and also the sense of risk that comes with that, that feels, that sounds like that was a moment that felt like it was really risky for you. And yet oh, yeah. you were able to, or that somehow you, you, you went through that. Oh yeah. It was, I mean, it was a very challenging, it was a very, very challenging time, but I felt like I got more tools through the process and learn more about myself. As I always tell my, my students, you know, this is a journey, you know, life is a journey, but your educational journey is one that you embark on and it should be for yourself because you're doing a lot of work it should not be for anybody else for yourself and to give you options, you know, whether you take those options or not, at least you have them and nobody can take your education away. It's one of those things that you, you do it for, you should do it for your first and foremost for yourself. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to try um, a little bit of a, uh, I'll call it a game, but it's not really a game. Okay. We're going to give you a grab bag of questions. And the instructions here are to just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't um, overthink it. And we'll just go through a, a okay. whole list. And we're going to put about 60 seconds on the clock. Is that right, Bob? Yep, 60 uh -oh. seconds. Dun, dun, dun. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> Is there a prize involved? That's what I want. <laughs> just start. Just start. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> All right. Hit it. All right. Question one. What's a compliment you received that you really liked? My hair always. I wish my hair was like yours. And I'm like, yeah, I, I wish my hair was typically it's somebody who has got beautiful, thick, straight hair. And I go, I wish I had the same hair as you. Yes. That's it's usually about my hair or something like that. That would, but uh, what I like also is when I get the compliment of your, well, I, it's sort of mixed because I have an issue with being considered a dumb blonde. I have issue with that. Um, it's like, you're, you have some good ideas. It's like, Oh, okay, thanks. But uh, is it because of my hair color that you're thinking I need to be, in for, you know, it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that from you. So, yeah. Anyway, go okay. on. Next. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to guilty pleasure? Carbs of any kind. Any kind. Actually, crunchy French bread with butter on it, if I can mm. get it. Mm. 
Sounds great. Warm, warm too. Yes. Yes. What is a word that you really like or a favorite word? It's a word I've been, the word I've been using lately is gestalt. I don't know why. I like that way it rolls off the tongue. It, people wonder, what does she mean by that? Because it's, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I give Beth, I give Beth Mancini the credit for that one because that's one of her words that she uses a lot. But that's, yeah, what's a gestalt of all what we're talking about here? Yes. So that's, that's, it. That's the word first comes to my mind. Okay. Um, who is your favorite superhero and why? It's my dad. Oh, love that. Why? Um, my dad has done some really cool things with his career. Um, after my mom passed, my mom died in 93. He was CEO, self-made CEO, um, and he was thinking about joining the Peace Corps but I had kids, my, his grandkids, so he decided to not. So he um, got involved with some other, um, another group, but he basically, he got involved with this, the food banks. Um, and he, if you look up Gary Maxworthy, if you ever Google him, he started the Farm to Family program in California, which connects a lot of the growers to the, to the food banks because before he um, got involved, was uh it was just mainly cans you know canned goods and that have what have you so he was well connected to a lot of the ceos of the different um, large chains food chain supermarket chains and was able to get them to figure out how to uh, give up you know produce that was you know near end of life and then they moved into dairy and all kinds of things so the food banks of our of here in california but also things that have produce that have longer shelf life they're actually able to ship out millions of tons every year to other parts of the country. So he's received um, the Jefferson Award. He's received the Thousand Points of Light. He's received many, many awards for his work. But he's still my papa. You know, he's still my dad. And um, he's been a, he's a, you know, philanthropy is part of who he is. And he worked at, he's, he'll be 84 this year. He doesn't mind me saying that. He, he retired basically at 80. You know, he's only just recently, you know, and he's enjoying walking his dog and, hanging out with my stepmom, Rada. They have a wonderful life. And yeah, he's, he's, um, he's, he's gone through a lot and he's come out the other side. And like I said, he's given back and made a difference to millions. And during the pandemic, I mean, the millions of lives have been um, saved because of proper, you know, better nutrition because of his efforts. So right. that would be my superhero. What an incredible individual. And I'm, I'm he is. We're, we're past our 60 seconds on the clock but um I oh sorry no <laughs> i was just thinking i was like i want to have the opportunity just to hear more of, of your story so thank you for sharing that so but to the listeners i'm sure they're maybe thinking oh, oh sure. 60 seconds but uh, give us a break as interviewers <laughs> what you want to hear more so uh yeah it's our show we just so say, we're not gonna do 60 seconds so 60 That's seconds right. it's a soft it's a soft, it's a soft they're, target they're, gui- they're just guidelines they're just guidelines <laughs> we just simulated the 60 seconds so Yes. Actually, we do simulate the 60 seconds. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Great. All right. So I do want to ask one last question on the list, and it's this. What is a song that gets stuck in your head, and can you sing us a snippet from that song? Wheels on the bus. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, <laughs> round and round. So I, I, when Christine first asked, I was like, that's brilliant. And now I'm cursing your name, Christine. That song is going to be in my head the entire day. So you have an earworm. That's what they call it, an earworm. Thank you, Julie. That was such a gift. gift. (laughs) Well, I was going to do any, I was also going to do a Beatles tune, but I was just singing that the other, you know, I was just doing um, 
wheels on the bus. So you know what? Just let it be. Let that it always be. gets let, let it be. <laughs> Actually, yes, let it be. All right. So uh, as we come around the corner to to get to close, um, yes. I uh, we already heard about your father, who was just um, sounds like such an amazing person. Mm-hmm. And um, in addition to him. Um, who is one person that's been meaningful to your life? And it doesn't have to be anyone that you've actually known personally, but what did you learn from this person or what's something that you admire about them? Justice Ginsburg. I don't know why that name came up for me, just because of their passing and everything that's going on in the world. She would have such commentary of things that are going on. And I'm just purely talking, you know, U.S. But I always, you know, I've, I've watched anything and everything and read everything I can about her. I just found that she was just this um, amazing individual who had such, she was a force to be reckoned with at every phase of her career. But um, she's somebody I've, I've always admired. Um, and um, I would have, I just, I just, just everything about her is something that I, I, I aspire to, you know. So that would be the one person I would, uh, I don't know. I saw you shake your, both of you shake your head, yes. An acknowledgement. She yes. is a she. She was a rock star, just a rock star. Yeah, all all accounts. Yes, I completely agree. There was a documentary that she did where she's working out with her weights. I was like, oh yes. my goodness, you are the uh, you are amazing, the notorious Arby. <laughs> right. I love that movie. That was such a great movie. Oh, yeah. Yes, but it, yeah. I think that epitomized her. You know, I mean, she's she appears frail, but don't take her. Don't 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 assume that that's the way she is because yeah she's gonna knock out those that weight right. yeah she you probably could lift she probably could lift more than I could ever could. Okay, so one last question. So yes. what is one hope that you have for simulation in the future? My hope is that regulatory agencies start to really appreciate the value of simulation and provide mechanisms for organizations who have embraced it as a methodology for keeping their staff up to speed competency-wise and provides them um, a pass on multiple levels as far as uh, accreditation. Like, I'd love for CMS, you know, to give um, organizations that have strong, high-quality simulation programs a pass on certain areas, especially when it comes to medical staff, competencies, those types of pieces, so that we can really have it be part of an expectation as a, um, of the way we just do business. That to me would be a way to hardwire and sustain and, and then hopefully be able to provide additional funding so that every program that's educating our, or providing services has access to this methodology to continue to maintain competencies at a level that keeps our patients safe. That's where I'd like to see us. And that I know is growing with Joint Commission and others, but I see that as something um, that will really grow. And I also know the field haptics related to AR and VR are a huge um, movement that I know is only gonna improve because of the need for learners to learn remotely. You know, it all indications say that, you know, Delta's just the beginning of challenges that we have, unfortunately. Um, until we get enough of people um, vaccinated and then also boosted as we need. So. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for thank you for sharing that. 
Um, so to everybody out there who has been listening live today and to our regular listening audience, this has been BS Beyond Simulation with your hosts, Bob Kaiser and me, Christine Park, and our special guest today, Dr. Julie Maxworthy. Thank you for joining us and tune in for the next episode of Beyond Simulation. Beyond Simulation.